you know, to let your beloved be free. For example, the expression, if you love someone, set them free. What that means is to not impose your will upon them and don't try to subjugate them or vice versa. Don't let them impose their will upon you and don't subjugate yourself to that imposing. It, to be free is to respect the other individual. For example, your no is just as powerful as your yes. To not be afraid to say no. And that's what free will is. Hello, hello, Gemma, Gemma, Yomis. It is Raquel, and welcome to Your Own Magic, a podcast for the creative and the curious soul. And I am brimming, my heart is brimming with joy and excitement, as in a few days I will be embarking on a journey to the magical city of LA where I lived for eight years, and of course see some friends, but also see for the second time the Eras Tour, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour, and I got my outfit. It's definitely reputation inspired. I was gonna go folklore, but you know what? I'm feeling a little more angsty, but passionate in a magical, beautiful way. Anyway, amidst all the celestial changes and the retrogrades that will be taking place and have been taking place, you know, I've just learned to cherish every moment and get really excited about what's to come in the future, but also just be very, very in the present live with an open heart and just embrace the beauty of life unfolding before me because life's been magical lately i must say i mean the universe may throw its twists and turns but sometimes it's nice to find solace in the simplicity of living and savoring the sweetness of each passing day like this summer has been filled with so much wonder and so many different avenues for me to explore camping for example new music outdoor concerts go into a steam room or sauna and get all hot and then jump into a cold plunge it's felt great for my body everything feels so new a lot of novelty and it's it's been exciting but i also really love geode hunting. I've been posting that on my Instagram, the different crystals or quartz or just geodes that are within the earth's treasures here in Park City. I mean, it has been nothing short of magical and it reminds me of how life can simply just surprise us with its own sparkling gems when we least expect it. I hope that you're having a magical summer and allowing yourself to lean into discomfort, get out of your comfort zone and go outside, embrace nature and savor in the sweetness of simplicity. Find solace in simply just living and living simply. With that said, about every month, almost every month, I've been sharing an older episode because I know that there's a lot of new listeners that might not hear a lot of the older old but gold episodes that I feel like are a big part of what's made this podcast this magical community. And I think that this episode has so many special messages that I needed to remember. So allow me to reintroduce this special episode with the remarkable Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., who is a renowned teacher and author who has devoted his life to sharing the wisdom and teachings of his father, Don Miguel Sr., and also his grandmother, Madre Sarita. You might be aware of his father, who wrote the very popular book, The Four Agreements. 
and Miguel Jr. has penned several insightful books as well, including The Five Levels of Attachment, Living a Life of Self-Awareness, The Mastery of Self, The Don Miguel Ruiz Little Book of Wisdom, and notably he collaborated with his dear friend Heather Ash Amara on what we're going to talk about this episode, which is The Seven Secrets to Healthy, Happy Relationships. So this is a flashback. This is a walk down memory lane, and I think that you'll enjoy it as Miguel Jr. continues his noble mission of helping others discover their personal freedom, enabling them to thrive in their mind, body, and soul, and his profound understandings of his father and his grandmother's teachings truly fuels his desire to spread this awareness and empowers listeners and readers to embrace their true selves and find harmony within the world that they inhabit. So I hope that you enjoy this very special episode. It was nice to reminisce and yeah, I think that you might find some little golden nuggets to pocket for life. Anyway, with all that being said, I believe it is time to walk down memory lane again with Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. I am so honored right now and so excited to be talking with you, and I'm very well. How about yourself? So far, so good. I have to apologize to you. I think uh, I think I'm, we missed. I missed the first uh, appointment <laughs> because of a snowstorm. It's been crazy. yeah, yeah. Well, my when my kids have uh, a two-hour delays when there's snowstorm. You know, I, I'm, my son who is autistic and my daughter who is not, but still, uh, it's it's all hands on deck. Oh yeah, no, they're they're number one, their priority. I was fine. They actually worked out magically, and this is happening in divine timing. I already know. But yeah, the snow had been crazy. Where are you located? I live in Reno, Nevada. Oh, I, Reno has crazy snow. Oh, I'm sorry, my volume was so low. I'm surprised you even heard me. I just turned it up. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm in Park City, Utah, and the snow is wild. So I understand the feeling. Oh, nice. Yeah, you're just down the road from me. No, I'm just down the road. <laughs> yeah, seven, seven hours, almost eight hours. <laughs> Next door neighbors. My, yeah, my, my wife's family, she's from, they're from Harriman, Utah, or they're oh. spread out through Salt Lake City area. Yeah, Harriman. I'm very uh, familiar with Harriman. Wow, that's cool. So you're here sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Visiting the family. Oh, so I would like to start this conversation off by asking what excites you most in this season of your life right now? Wow, there's a lot. Uh, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Well, as, well, my, like, like we were talking before, my first priority in life are my, my wife and kids. And right now what's exciting is, you know, just watching them roll. They're, they're going into their teen years and watching them become their own individuals, the ups and downs of being a parent of teenagers. That's, you know, the, that's the gripping part. That's, you know, that for me is the, the true challenge for me at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that the thing that excites me at the same time, because I love my kids. I love my wife and, and we're a good team. Work-wise, work-wise, we're, we're just, you know, like uh, writing the book and seeing how this, all the books are doing so well. And, the teachings and uh, getting the opportunity to teach when I get the chance to teach. 
I'm very uh, grateful for that. Uh, writing a new book, although I've been behind on it because uh, life gets in the way, and you know, kids and family and snowstorms and and, <laughs> and just packs everything up. So yes, you know, that's but well, that's basically what's been exciting me. You know, it's just life. You know, the the ups and downs of the mundane. And which is enjoyable to have, to be honest with you. We're it's blessed to have mundane. It is blessed to have mundane, especially when you can embrace the mundane. And I'm really excited yeah. right now. What's exciting me right now is the fact that you're also writing another book. That's great news. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm writing another book. It might be my last because, you know, you never know. Like when you write a book, you like, well, do I have any, anything else in there? But it, it feels good at the moment. That's what it's, it, it, it feels good. 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 You've written so many. And today we get to dive into the secrets of having happy, healthy relationships. Yay! I know. I'm really excited. But before we talk about that, I always want, I think it's really important for the listeners to get a sense of the soul of Miguel. Though I'm sure many already are familiar with you. I mean, me for one, I've been following you and your family for years now. So again, this is such an honor for me. I would love to hear from your own voice, any story that comes to mind of your soulful journey or the catalyst that led you down this path to dedicate your life to helping people along their spiritual path and self-mastery? Well, there's so many. Um, <laughs> well, for one, I, I was born into a family that this has become or is the passion, you know. my, my I was born into a family with a yeah. very strong matriarch, which is my grandmother, Sarita. She was the spiritual head of this family. And you can say that she continued the tradition of her father and grandfather, you know, in the same way that I'm continuing the tradition of that, all of them. Um, my father is a, a neurologist, a neurosurgeon, sorry, a retired surgeon. My mom is a dentist, dental, uh, and now she works at a, at a casino. She used to work at a casino. Um, I, when I was young, it was about love for them, you know, helping them out. You can say that. I was born into this into this family. I went to all the workshops and lectures that my dad used to take me to the retreats and got to meet wonderful people, people who I'm, I consider family. You know, they, they they've been extraordinary in my life, engaging them, hugging them, and uh, learning from them. And that's you know my in my teens and early twenties. And then you know you can say that a couple of things that got you know that really proposed me is that one is uh, a heartbreak, you know, a, a, a breakup where I couldn't project onto her anything and realized that it was like a freight train, everything that I've been, I postponed. Because one of the biggest lies I told myself when I was young is that I don't have to do this. I was born into a family that does this. It's automatic. I don't have to do any of the process. <laughs> Wrong. It, it's the biggest lie I've ever told myself because it's all about a journey. You know, it just happened. I just happened to be born into that family. But all of us go through life. All of us will process. All of us will have moments of clarity, moments of aha. So in a moment of a breakup where I couldn't project, I realized that it was like a freight train. All the all these stuff that I hadn't dealt with came crushing in and going slowly but surely going facing them all little by little facing them healing them processing them you know like taking a a year off from relationships to focus on myself and giving myself time to not just grieve but to you know really get to know myself again you know because at that point I'd, I'd only known myself through relationships and they find myself through relationships and things like that coincidentally it happened around the same time 
as my father's heart uh, heart attack and uh he was in nine weeks in coma and when we came he came back he decided to continue to teach but he couldn't do it because he was so frail so what we we ended up happening is jose and myself my brother and i would tour with my dad and jose had done it for a lot longer than i have so he's been around longer in that sense and when i began to do it basically it was just my dad giving a lecture or a presentation and when he would he would get tired because he would get so he's at 50 percent heart capacity that's you know you're gonna get tired so he just gave me that look and like a tag team partner you know we tagged in i went in and did the, I, I presented work and shared what I knew. And then, you know, after half hour or an hour or 45 minutes, or I would look back and my dad would give me that look. I'm like, all right, I'm ready. And, and he come in. So little by little, I began to teach like that. And little by little, I was able to speak longer than half an hour because I, I had some material at that point of life experience. And little by little, I found my voice. So somewhere in my late, Early, sorry, in my early 30s, I began to really gain a voice for it, you know, because to a certain degree, I was, I didn't want this. I didn't want to follow in the footsteps. I didn't want to do the spirituality stuff. I, I was working in the film industry. I wanted to pave my own way through art and things like that. And then all of a sudden, all these teachings stopped being something that belonged in a museum and it became something relevant to my life. I could see it as an instrument that helped me. And little by little, I became, I, I gathered a voice and little by little, I began to teach and little by little, I understood and little by little, I healed and little by little, I got to a point where I had something to share. And you can say that's where the, this whole thing really began at that point. To, to, I let go of the film industry. I fell in love with my wife, whom we are now together almost 15 years. Um, I began to put into process this and ended my rebellion against it. And I joined. <laughs> and here I am. Here you are. And because of the family you were born into, I'm so amazed that you were able to witness the fact that you still are human and you have to go through these human experiences in order to follow this call for you to actually teach us souls what we need to know in order to get through this thing called life. Even though it was probably really hard, I'm thankful that you actually have experienced it in order for you to share your wisdom with us. Well, it's, it's more it's it's more about sharing, really. It's, yeah. it's not about, about teaching. It's about sharing. And like mm. this, this is what worked for me. It might be helpful to you. It's it might be relevant to you. It's it's a it's we are all our own teachers, our own masters. You know, I I, I always like to use this analogy. Imagine all your teachers as a grow a, a tree a, apple tree grove. Every teacher, meaning every apple tree, has a fruit to give you, an apple that's really good. But at the same time, there's a- apples there that are not so good. They might right. be warm, they might be rotting <laughs> in, the, in the vine and all kind of things. So yeah. the individual who is on their own journey, in order for them to know which one of the apples are the ones going to nurture you, you have to know yourself. And more importantly, know that this apple tree or this teacher is not going to guide you through it. It's not They're not going to do your journey for you. They're giving you the instrument that you're going to use that instrument to navigate your own journey. So 
every teacher along the path, you go through the path of all these apple trees, all these teachers who are giving you something that's going to be good for you and some not so good for you. And the way to know is to know yourself. That way, when you grab this piece of information, it'll nurture you because it's your it's your journey. And these teachings can nurture you to reach that goal and whatever that goal may be. All of us are different. There's It's not one direct uh, destination. It's 7.5 billion different ways of goal, and that's just one way. There's so many points of view. So from what for what I do, you know, um, I just share knowledge. I just share experiences. I share stories. If it's relevant and resonates with someone, it might help that person. If it doesn't and it doesn't resonate, then obviously th- this particular instrument is not, um, I would say, not necessarily relevant, but it, it's not fitting at that moment. It's not really going to help you. It's, it's, it's information that it may be superfluous to your journey, but the information is there, yeah. of course. So it's always and maybe it, it will be relevant one day. Exactly, that's that's what happened to me. You know, when I was a kid and when I was a teenager, it was all irrelevant to me. It meant nothing. And and the the only reason why I listen is because I love the teachers, my father and my grandmother and my mama Gaia. And somewhere along the line, I paid attention, and it became relevant. But only until I was ready. So. You can never underestimate the power of a seed when you plant it. And sometimes it might just land in the right place, but it'll take years for it to blossom. So I teach with permission. I share with permission. But what I'm sharing is just someone of, all right, this helped help me. It might help you. So it's a peer-to-peer. Instead of being hierarchy, it's someone like, all right, this is what I shared. This is my experience. It might be helpful to you or not. But that's the beauty of it. Take it or leave it. Do you have your children's permission to give them some of your apples? Well, it's it's one of those things that you know it's it's a uh, for it's I don't see it as a mandatory thing. I don't push the 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 total tradition on them. If they're interested, they're interested, and I'll share with them when they ask. But the best way to take teach them is for them to see how I live my life. It's, it's how I relate with my wife. That's going to teach them how to be in a relationship to a certain degree, of course. They're going to have their own arguments. They're going to have their own hurdles. But at the very least, they have a point of reference. So the way, whether they learn to meditate, that's up to them. If they want to learn how to, to do yoga, that's up to them. If they want to learn how to play the guitar, that's up to them. If they if they want my my help, I'm glad to give it. <laughs> Well, and I'm sure your wife, well, your children and your wife are some of your greatest apple trees. Oh, they, they, they teach me so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're the, they're the, they're the most ruthless reflection. You know, the, the, that mirror that allows me to see myself and learn from that. Yeah, my, my son, my daughter, my wife, and even our dogs, Teo and, and Brownie, they, they teach me all the, every day something. Wow. Something about your truest self. Yeah. I love a natural look with some shimmer. I love that lightly soft contour, but add, of course, some shimmer and some blush, some highlighter, a whisk of eyeliner on the outer edges, and, of course, a strong lengthening mascara that does not clump 
or flake. That's basically the look I usually go for. So whether you like a more natural look or full glam or somewhere in between, you'd love Thrive Cosmetics because you're not only getting quality cosmetics, but you're also contributing to a good cause. And you also might already know of them as they have a pretty viral, vibrant turquoise tube on social media for their mascara and it is a game changer. It is. I'm so happy that Thrive Cosmetics is not just stunning, but also 100% vegan and cruelty-free and it's packed with clean, skin-loving ingredients. Their high-performance formula set the bar high with uncompromising standards, so no wonder their bestsellers boast thousands of glowing five-star reviews. And what also makes them even more special is that every purchase with Thrive Cosmetics contributes to making communities thrive. Hence the name. I mean, it's also spelled C-A-U-S-E Medics. Thrive Cosmetics. So it's not just about beauty. I mean, they're truly about giving back. So with your support, they donate products and funds to support communities in need through responsive giving. That's why they've been my beauty obsession since 2020. I've been using their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara since 2020. I mean, this is a magical mascara that lasts all day without a hint of clumping or smudging or flaking. And removal is a breeze as all I need is warm water and a washcloth. Pretty simple. And also here's the best part. The nourishing ingredients in this flake free tubing formula not only gives you the length and definition that you crave, but also it supports longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's a love story for your lashes. So Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E, M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 20% off your first order. I would love to hear the story of you and Heather Ash and how you cross paths. Well, Heather Ash has been a student of my father since 1994. So I met her when she was still in college and I was in high school. So that's that was our trajectory. She was a student of my father and we were among the youngins. Um, and, you know, she, she's learned from many, many, many teachers. So, but we always had a good time. We always had fun. So as we began to teach, you know, she really was doing it longer than I have been doing it, you know, because her journey, you know, that was her intent. Well, I was rebelling and playing with it. She was really engaging and working at it. That's, that's the way it goes. And, <laughs> right. uh, as time progressed, you know, we, we, we always had a good time and she would invite me to go up and teach and I would go and we would play, you know, and one day both she and I would talk about it. You know, she invited me to do a presentation from 2008, 2007, something like that, when she had a center at Austin, Texas, and she invited me to go up and we're like, yeah. So it was when I first started teaching without my family, but it was just me just going out there by myself, you know, you'll... You start out with, you know, maybe three people, four people, things like that. And she invited me to speak at her 12 Moons uh, group. And it was fun. I shared what I knew. And, you know, while we went to eat some some good food, we, we were always talking and imagined. And one day we'll both be teaching together or, and you know, we'll write our book and touring and things like that. So we always dreamed that way. So we started working like that. She, she like Once in a while we'd be doing a workshop together sometimes you know our tours will take us in different directions and we always were friends and we still are of course and then uh, we both got the same book uh, we 
hooked up with Hierophant Publishing roughly around the same time. She she started working with Randy before I did, and then I followed not so long after that. You know, she, I got got a good referral, of course, and um, we became Ink Brother and Ink Sisters. You know, because we have the same publishing house, and all of a sudden we just started giving each other high fives because the dream that we created was starting to happen. And since then, we started working, and uh, the Toltec Art of Transformation that she wrote came out, did pretty good. And then uh, Warrior Goddess Training came out, and that was beautiful. I remember being in that room when they chose the cover. You know, like there was three choices, and the cover that was chosen. I remember when it was pointed out, and Heather Rash went, yeah, that, that one feels good. I remember, like, yeah, I think that looks really beautiful. I think so. And things like that. So when we started working together um, in this book, uh, she had been approached or worked with uh, a, a publishing house called uh, Sounds True that does audiobooks and books and things like that. And uh, we've gotten a proposal, like, what about doing a couple's relation, a relationship uh, workshop or series? And she said, yeah. And she thought of me and she asked me if I wanted to play with her. And I said, yes, let's 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 do this. Let's let's work on this. You know, at that point, me and my ex girlfriend from high school, my 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 first love and I, uh, had healed our relationship. We finished that part of the journey, and I had something to contribute. That was what I was going to contribute to this, and we began to do two two years of doing workshops and lectures and presentations, and then. Um, our publisher, Harfan Publishing, found that they were doing this audio class with Sounds Truth and somehow got the book deal from, you know, they they worked together on that. And then the book came out and it's there, you know. So that's how The Seven Secrets of Happy, Healthy Relationships started. Of course, the original, the working title we had was The Soul of Intimacy. But as, as time progressed, those points became secrets and you know the things that we all know we all know these secrets it's just that there was one time there was a point in my life where we didn't know it and we learned the hard way of course so you can say that that's how my, Heather Ash and I began this tour and actually we were just in Mexico City when the book came out in Spanish and the, it was the very first time both she and I presented the book together you know our our touring you know, takes us in so many directions. So we were able to do this in Mexico City and come together and create this. So that's nice. That is beautiful. And now this dream of having a book together came into reality, this dream you guys created forever ago. And you two share seven apples in it, yeah. <laughs> as you would say, these seven secrets, commitment, freedom, awareness, healing, joy, communication, and release, which I'd love to talk about them all. And like you said, I feel as though these secrets, they're really not so secret because we all do know this from deep, deep within, but perhaps most of us just do not consciously give recognition to it, even though our heart or our gut will tell us if we stray from these areas in some way, which mine definitely do. <laughs> and so you are here helping us remember and you know, because most people often forget or we just haven't uncovered their significance yet. And so we neglect to bring them to light into our lives. So thank you to you and Heather Ash for bringing them to light into our conscious awareness You're again. Welcome. And I would love to elaborate a little bit about 
the seven secrets and pieces if you're okay with that. Sure. Awesome. So the first one, commitment. Honestly, I can only imagine commitment might be the most intimidating one or the hardest one or the one that makes people just most resistant to getting into relationship. So mm-hmm. why is committing so difficult for our human minds and how can we fully commit to someone? Well, that's the thing. We've, the reason why we, it's so difficult is that at first we think we have to commit to someone, but actually that's just a consequence. I can't give what I do not have. If I have conditional love for myself, then I've got nothing but conditional love to give to everyone, which means because I'm the constant, just like you are the constant in every relationship that you are in. Every person you've ever known from the moment of your last breath, first breath to the moment of your last, everyone will come and go in your life, just like in mine. You are the constant in all of them. So the commitment is not to someone else, it's to yourself. The commitment to yourself to engage yourself, to know yourself, to heal. One thing I've, I've learned in my life is that we heal with permission. Without that permission, we never heal. So as time progresses, you know, we, we, we go into the automatic. We really believe that image of, of for happily ever after, which is just an illusion. It, it doesn't exist, really. It exists for as long as two people say yes. And as soon as that person changes that yes into a no, it ceases to exist. It's two people. Every relationship exists for as long as two people say yes to one another. That's the truth. Every relationship will end. By, the, by choice, by life, or by death. If you accept that, just like the same way we accept our mortality, why waste our time worrying about the end? Let's enjoy the time where we're both saying yes at the same time when life is saying yes to us. So the things that get in the way is, you know, that judge, that victim inside of us, you know, that judge that I used to love myself conditionally. There's the phrase that I love, that's called by Eleanor Roosevelt that goes, no one can make me feel inferior without my consent. Mm-hmm. I love that line. It's a good mm-hmm. way to describe not taking things personal. Well, here's the thing. What makes me feel inferior are the things that I agree with. That's how I give it consent, by agreeing with it, by believing it. All the things that says that I'm not worthy of love and I, ha- I create my list, all that list has power over us. And the way we implement those conditions is by the judge you see whenever we judge someone we're punishing them for agreements they never made but we're forcing them to make the agreement through the judgment i love you if that's what we call domestication a system of reward and punishment by which we model the behavior of an individual in order for that system of reward and punishment you know because we're emotional beings if we get the reward it feels like acceptance which feels like love And the punishment feels like rejection and the lack thereof of love. It's what we call conditional love. I love you if you live up to my expectation of love. In fact, the majority of the fights couples have is who's going to domesticate who. Because whoever controls the yes and no of a relationship controls the relationship. And they're trying to domesticate or condition each other to fit the image of what love should be from their point of view of of that image of the beautiful princess or the or the handsome prince or in whatever image that we created about relationships growing up becoming aware of that conditional love within us 
is to become aware that one, we are the judge in the, the sense that part of us believes that. And we are also the victim because we gave it permission. We subjugate ourselves with that will. In that imposing and subjugation that we do with one another, instead of seeing each other as equals, as two people who are completely free to go in any direction in life, where we respect each other's yes and no, whoever wants to control the relationship will impose their will upon the other, and whoever believes them subjugates their will because they don't want to take responsibility for their choices. So at that point, that relationship within ourselves is the expression of conditional love. Put, for example, put on the clothes that you know your friends will make fun of you for. Put on, put on the music that you know your friends will make. You know they, they'll frown at you. Admit to them that you bought it for someone, and you'll hear domestication all over it. So at that point, the commitment is to oneself. Once you become, once we become aware of how we've used our own word to go against us, we begin the process of healing. We begin the process of, I'm going to take care of this individual. Why do I say that? It's because in a relationship, if I believed in conditional love, in those conditions, then I'm going to share that with my beloved. I'm going to force them to live up to that image. And you can say one of the reasons why we have a hard time committing to someone is because we don't like being imposed an ideal that has nothing to do with me and I don't want to be subjugated by anyone else. And I don't, and, and, and reversely the same thing. It's, 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 it's a tough thing. But if you begin to have that commitment within yourself and begin the process, you will get your own personal freedom, which is the second secret. Personal freedom, commitment, and freedom go hand in hand, even though the irony is uh, the people ask us, why do we have the two two of them before that, uh, together and commitment before freedom. Well, it's because to have free will, to be able to say yes and no to the things we want to say yes and no to, it starts with respect and to own the consequences of our own choices. No one else is to blame but ourselves for saying yes to that. And with that, you know, to let your beloved be free, for example, the expression, if you love someone, set them free. What that means is to not impose your will upon them and don't try to subjugate them or vice versa. Don't let them impose their will upon you and don't subjugate yourself to that imposing it to be free is to respect the other individual. For example, your no is just as powerful as your yes to not be afraid to say no. And and if you're afraid to say no, it's because you really want, don't want to lose something or you don't want to look bad in someone, in someone else's eye. But to respect yourself, no is just as powerful as your yes. And that's what free will is. To say yes to the things you want to say yes to and no to the things you want to say no to. And with that, like Uncle Ben told Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility, which means to honor ourselves to experience the consequences of our own choices. That's freedom. That's personal freedom. To give that to our beloved is to give it to ourselves first, to know that experience and to become aware of the roots of that conditional love, So, which is the third secret. These three secrets, what we call this, we refer to them as the foundational secrets because they're interwoven with one another. I can't give what I do not have. It starts with me. All relationships start with me.
If I have conditional love in my heart, then I've got nothing but conditional love to give. But if I begin to heal that process, if I begin, if I begin the process of breaking up with my judge, breaking up with my victim, I'm able to fly free. And know that, for example, my wife, she's with me because she wants to be with me, not because we, she signed a document or we both said, I do. <laughs> she said she's with me because she wants to be with me. And at any given moment, she has all the freedom to change that yes into a no, especially if I ever do something stupid. And the same way it goes for me. What, you see, whoever's afraid of losing someone is the person who's going to domesticate the other. Or subjugate their will. It's when conditional love comes in because I'm afraid to lose. I'm afraid that it's all going to go away. And of course, at that point, commitment is going to be hard. But once you accept the fact all relationships end in the same way that my life will also end, why waste my time worrying about a moment that's going to come? I'm going to enjoy the time where we're both saying yes to one another. And that's the commitment. I say yes because I want to, just like my wife says yes to me as we want to. And we are fortunate that we're both saying yes at the same time. Mind you, I have a list of ex-girlfriends who at one point said yes to me and at one point they said no. And they have all the right. And that's perfect. So these are the three secrets, commitment, secret, and awareness. It's respect for the oneself, which allows me to respect the individual I'm in relationship with. Yes. And it all begins with ourselves, with our love, unconditional love with ourselves, because then we can allow them to be free. I'm really curious about what you both say when it comes to healing. My soul is looking forward to having a partner because there's nothing more healing than having someone else really see you and empathize with you and just simply be there for you and love you. So what do you mean by healing? Well, actually, funny thing about that is to heal from everything you just said. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's, exactly. I don't need someone to see me. <laughs> no, exactly. If you believe everything you just said, that everything you just said is what may be impacting your relationships in whichever way it's been impacted. It's, it's, it's the same way as Don Quixote wanting to see what he wants to see and never sees the, the beautiful woman that who really is. He only sees Dulcinea. And Dulcinea is just an image that he creates of this woman, Alonsa. But... He only sees a princess. He only sees uh, uh, royalty, a beautiful image. In the same way, he never sees himself as Alonso Quijano, the truth. He only sees himself as the knight, Don Quixote de la Mancha. In the book, he never meets Dulcinea, but in the movie, he does. And it's Sofia Loren in Man of la Mancha. If we impose that image of what should be, we will never see what is. So the healing starts exactly with that point. One, I am alone. I was born alone, I live alone, and I'm going to die alone. And what do I mean by that? Nobody else will live inside of me but me. No one else will get to know what it's like to live life from my own point of view. No one else will know what it feels like 
to feel sensations on in this body, to think the same way I do, to love, to hug, to kiss. From my point of view, from my ner nervous system, it's my experience. I was born into a body that only allows me to experience life through this. Empathy might allow me to understand someone else, but it's still my imagination. If you shared with me everything that makes you feel good and happy, to me, I'm, I'm hearing words that allows me to make a reference and understand you, but it's still your experience. I can only just imagine what that is like. The only thing I truly know is my own journey. It's the thing that if I feel heartbreak and I feel pain, that ability to recognize it with me is going to give me the opportunity to feel empathy with you. Well, so when you tell me your story of heartbreak, it's not about me, it's about you. And it's the thing that allows me to relate to know that you are right now are in pain and it allows me to give empathy, it allows me to give compassion. But in order for me to get that and not make it about me, that needs healing. Meaning by that is like, oh, you're feeling the same thing about me. This is what happened with me. This is what, and all of a sudden I'm not hearing you at all. I'm only listening to myself, which means the constant in my life is me. At the beginning of the conversation, we're talk I was mentioning how my me and my ex-girlfriend, my first love, healed our relationship. And what happened is that, well, she and I broke up when I was 18 years old. Like, we'd finished college, high school and all that kind of thing. But the heartbreak impacted every relationship I was with since. That emotional poison that came from my love for her and the heartbreak and the, and the pain began to infect. Now, mind you, she and I loved each other very much. So every time we tried to be friends at the beginning, it became like we would hook up and our emotions got tangled up and we just made the wounds even bigger. Little by little, we tried. We we stayed away physically, but we still tried to be friends, and we still touch each other's wounds. You know, we still hurt each other, time and time again. And little by little, in my life, I began to do the work, which means that I began to apply all this stuff, the four agreements and things like that, and then I became aware that. Conditional love only exists for as long as I agree with it. To, to, wait, to let go of conditional love is to forgive myself for ever saying yes in the first place. You see, my love exists because I exist, just like my body and my mind exist because I'm here to give it life. My love exists because I am here alive. If I died, my love will no longer exist, which means I'm the source of love in my life. I am that experience. I am that journey. So forgiveness, to forgive is to accept the past, which means it's the moment where we no longer wish the past was any different. We accept it. We're no longer going to use it like a scorpion that stings itself over and over again with its own tail to hurt ourselves. When that happens and we take responsibility, all of a sudden, that self-defense that came every time she and I saw each other, my guards came down and I saw it from her point of view. That empathy, empathy I was talking about before. 
to see it from her point of view, my actions, my behavior, my my words. And all of a sudden, I can, of course she's hurt. Of course. All of a sudden, that ego that protected that image gave way because I worked on seeing beyond it. And I saw her. It's the image of taking off the mask of Dulcinea and seeing the woman who she really is. And when I saw that that woman, I saw it from her point of view. And the difference between guilt and remorse. Guilt is punishing yourself for something you wanted to do. And if life gives you the opportunity, you would still do it again. So you punish yourself over and over again for something you wanted to do. That's guilt. Remorse, on the other hand, is when you see things not just from your point of view, from someone else's point of view, and you see the impact. You can see the pain. You can see that hurt. And all of a sudden, if life gives you the opportunity to do it again, you would not do it. That's the difference between guilt and remorse. I don't want to hurt you anymore. I own my actions. So at that moment, what mattered most is that I recognized it. So I asked for, I, I apologized. Not the apology of an ex-boyfriend who's trying to hook up with his ex-girlfriend. No, it's the apology of a human being who sees another human and how I impacted that person. And I apologize. She didn't need to, to forgive me. I wasn't looking for her forgiveness. That's her choice. Something I've learned is that nobody heals on your timeline. They heal on their own timeline, giving them that space. That's part of letting go of that imposing and subjugation. You, When I said it, I wasn't looking for forgiveness. I just letting her know that I see her. I feel her pain. And, I've, and I'm sorry that I hurt her. Here's the thing that happened from there. When I lowered those guards and I said this, she lowered her guards and she owned up to her side. And we both forgave each other. This is like in, in our late 30s, early 40s. It took us, we tried that many times. And this time, what difference was that I didn't let my ego get in the way of healing. And I wasn't letting my emotions blind me either. So at that point, we both forgave each other and we both admitted how much we loved each other back then. The side of me, the 18-year-old version of me, when she said, she told me how much she used to love me and she said it without any fear and I reciprocated that, that felt wonderful. Of course, the key to being friends with your ex is that you don't want to go back. That's the key. You, you accept that it's over. That's it. That's what allows you to heal. And it's not whether she sees me or not. I'm, in this case, she gave me the benefit of the doubt and she was willing to see me. There's definitely people out there who still see me as that, you know, that little villain that they see me as. And that's fine. You know, they, it's everyone heals in their own time. And they don't have to see me, and that's the truth. You know, for example, my 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 uncle and my my aunt were talking to me and my wife uh, several years ago, and it was the first conversation we have had as an adult. And eventually, we were talking about relationships, and my uncle said this: 
Miguel, there's a good book you should read about relationship. It's called The Four Agreements. You should read it. <laughs> Don't listen to your father, but read the book. The irony is that uh, my, the author of the book is my father. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing there is this. He's, my uncle said that because he, rec- he sees my father not as Don Miguel Ruiz, but as Dr. Miguel Ruiz, the young version, the guy, the guy who hadn't done the journey. And that guy was crazy. <laughs> you know, he, he was definitely, you know, in, in that world. But my dad did the work. My dad did the journey. My dad put all the process. And he became what we now know as Domingo Ruiz. That's it's just that image. My uncle saw some a past. And that's going to happen. People see what they want to see. Sometimes they will recognize the change. Sometimes they won't. And that's fine. So the image that you were describing about someone seeing me, I don't control that. You don't control that. None of us control how someone sees us. Right. Nobody does. The only person that matters is ourselves. And what I mean by that is that in that journey, we get to evolve, we get to grow, and we get to discover who we really are. That's the healing. And when that happens to us, we're able to share that with our beloved. You know, I can't see my wife. You know, it's the the equivalent of me taking the mask of wife and seeing Susan, my wife, who's the woman who's doing the best with what she's got. That requires me the willingness to take off the mask of Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. and see myself as I really am, which is Miguel, the guy who's doing his best with what he's got. That requires the both willingness, and that's what we know as intimacy. Intimacy happens when trust is there, where love love blossoms where trust exists. Intimacy is the moment where we both share with one another not only our vulnerability, but our honesty with one another. And that honesty is not about like selling, always saying what we want to hear. It's about exposing with ourselves that which we want to share. Of course, you don't have to share everything, but it's about being honest with yourself and not pretending to be something you are not for the sake of someone liking you or loving you. And that's what heals. That's what healing is. That allows us the next secret, which is joy, the ability to enjoy each other, to have that compassion. I'm in relationships because I love that person and how they make me feel and is going to reflect on the individual. The three women in my life, my mom, my wife, and my daughter, I love them all and I'm the source of that love, but that love is going to be expressed differently. My mom brings out an element of me that only she can bring out. My wife sees me in the same way that she brings out that element in me. And my daughter sees me uniquely to her own. And my mom, I'm Miguelito. To my wife, I'm Lovey. And to my daughter, I'm Papa. They all see me differently. The joy is in enjoying the relationship. Now, with my wife, we're talking about couples, it's all about first knowing what I enjoy what I, what I love. For example, I enjoy putting my hands into a bag of beans and feeling the sensation of those beans in my hand, just like having sand run through my, my fingers or the sensation of, e- of eating uh, bread pudding in, and, and with a cup of coffee. I just love the combination of those flavors. Sexuality is actually really about sensuality, the senses, to allowing my sense 
to open. And it doesn't have to be expressed sexually. It can be expressed even in silence. My wife and I can sit in, in silence holding hands, watching TV for two hours if we wanted to, and that's going to be the intimate thing. You know, we, we can, we, our intimacy can be expressed in so many ways in raising our kids and, 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 and listening to her throughout the day and asking how her day is and actually listening. That's intimacy. But that comes only from healing those wounds that closed off our perception, which leads us to the th- third, sixth uh, secret, which is communication. The ability to listen to one another and share with one another not only our vision and our dreams, but our truth and our reality. You know, it doesn't have to be every time a home run or a huge explosion of emotion. It could be this little subtle moment where we're enjoying a cup of tea in the evening when the kids have gone to bed and we're just sipping together in that silence, sipping tea, you know, with our toes touching. Mm, that's beautiful. Ah, relaxation, you know, the comfort. That can only come when I don't let an illusion keep me away from this present. For example, I I like using this Im- image. Imagine you meet someone that is only comfortable shaking your hand, and you believe that the only true way of expressing you know, love, whatever, is hugs. That, like, if someone doesn't hug, they're holding back. No, you have to give me a hug. But here's the thing, that person that only shakes the hand is because for them to open up that much requires a lot. Even shaking a hand requires an incredible amount of opening to even do that. To hug, it's incredibly, not only scary, but it's overwhelming. You know, there's people definitely that are like that. A hug can be very overwhelming to some people. Now, if you think it always has to be a hug and this person extends their hand, you're going to miss out on the wonderful experience of this person opening up to you. And the only reason why we didn't see it is because it didn't meet our expected image. How can we better improve our communication when perhaps one might be feeling resistant to opening up to us? To respect that resistance. Mm. You see, every emotions are tough. You know, if we were computers devoid of any emotion, all we would need is logic in order to heal. But we are complex human beings with a, that experience a full spectrum of emotions. A full spectrum of from from joy to sorrow to anger to love. We experience it all. Some of us have our wounds that close us off. Some of us don't have those wounds and we're completely open. Some of us are were raised with certain beliefs about what love should be. For example, I grew up with love being something quite open. So I go, I go out to a room and say, I love you, and I give you a hug. I love you. I give you a hug. Then I'm going to reach out one person, and I say, I love you. And instead, and they don't let me hug. Then they say, I'm sorry, but you don't love anyone. You hear, I see you saying you love everyone in this room, but you're using love like a toilet paper. You're only supposed to say it once and with meaning, but when you say it the way you've been saying it, you're throwing it away. It means nothing. That's what 
and or you say I love you to someone and it says let's get married or I love you and what do you want you haven't even bought me dinner yet everyone's going to have a different reaction to that emotion because everyone is going to have a different definition of what love is to open up the communication is the willingness to ask each other what does that mean to you for example I in during the classes that we were doing these series based on this this book, I asked this young lady to come up to the front of the stage and I asked her, "What do you want out of a relationship?" And she says, "I want it to be stable." So I paused her, "Okay, let's wait." I asked the rest of the class to write down what that meant to them. And all of them wrote it and I asked them to say it out loud once they finished it. Everyone gave us a totally different meaning including one that says a place where you put horses in which is a stable of course. So at that point I told I, I told this young lady see here's the thing if you told your beloved that I want it to be stable and they that beloved says yes but here's the thing they could have said yes to any of the other definitions including the stable yes love I want my love to be stable too and you both say yes to it but Years later, it turns out that you said yes to two, three different, totally different things. And you feel heartbroken because you think this person lied to you, but that, that person didn't lie. They said yes to what it means to them. And in this case, it could have been a, ho- a place where you put horses in. The benefit of the doubt, or to not make assumptions, is to simply ask your beloved, what does that mean to you? Because everyone has a totally definition of what love is, what commitment is, what joy is. What a, what a relationship is. We're 7.5 billion human beings living life at this very moment, and all of us are living it completely different. Which means every relationship is unique to the individual we're in relationship with. For example, my wife and I have been together for 15 years, and in that 15 years, it's morphed so many times, it's evolved so many times because life has happened. At first, we were a couple that didn't have any kids. We were just madly in love with one another. Then we have our first child. Then we had our second child. Then we got a diagnosis of autism. Then we got this. Then 2008 happened. Then in 2008, that's the financial crisis. Then it's, it's all about figuring out that way. And little by little, we are still here. And my wife, my my stepmom asked my wife, you guys both come from a totally different background. How were you able to handle the culture clash? And my wife answered so beautifully, because we love each other. That motivator is the thing that allows us to create a whole new culture together. That's what happens when we're in relationships. Because we evolve. We're constantly changing. I'm not the same person I was in all those other relationships. Those ex-girlfriends of mine wouldn't be able to recognize who I am. And sometimes it's nice, you know, so a couple of my ex-girlfriends went up to my wife and says, you got the best version of him, which was nice. That's the example of someone willing to see me. And then, the first, of course, the people who still see me as the a-hole, whatever. And that's, that's also truth. We evolve. We change. And what's beautiful about relationships is that all of them are going to be completely different because we've never been in a relationship with this person that's in front of us before. If we expect it to be a cookie-cutter thing, then we've already put on on an illusion. What you were describing earlier, to me, that sounds like a cookie-cutter that we put into a relationship, and if it doesn't fit, well, we'll throw that. 
you know, that we'll move on. But here's the thing. Every relationship is different. Every relationship will bring out a different side of me as I'm bringing a different side of that person that's coming with me. It's brand new. Here's the thing that nobody, parents never tell other people who are not parents. We have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> we're doing the best with what we've got. Because as soon as we become used to being the parent of a one-year-old, they turn two, making everything we know irrelevant. And as soon as we get used to being the parent of a two-year-old, they turn four, they turn eight, they turn 10. Every birthday makes parenting irrelevant because the person we are parenting is changing. So we have to adapt. We have to reinvent what being a parent is. Right now, my parents are trying to figure out a way to be a parent to a 43-year-old, a 40-year-old, and a 33-year-old. And they're doing the best with what they've got because they're in a place where they're reinventing themselves, rediscovering themselves, and at the same time, rediscovering the person that's in front of you. The key to being the parent is to get to know the child that's in front of you. Well, the same thing is true with relationships. We have no idea what we're doing, and we're doing the best with what we've got. We can either continue to keep a cycle alive, or we begin anew, to be willing. Now, sometimes... The cycle comes with wounds that forces the hand to repeat things over and over or to protect ourselves. But if we if we heal those wounds, then those automatics won't get in the way. They'll let us see who's in front of us. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's not. But that's the beauty of it. So to open up the channels of communication, going back to the circle, is be willing to to see who you are engaging with and be willing to hear it from their point of view. And that allows you to understand them, but you can't give what you do not have once again. So these three agreements, these three secrets, healing, joy, and communications, these are the transitionals. These, these are the things that make it change. These things that makes it evolve. It's like it's the variables that keep a relationship evolving and growing which leads us to the last one which is of, of uh, release who are you today in the same way of knowing that my wife is not the same person she was 15 years ago 10 years ago even a year ago because life has happened it's kind of like that when we raise children we're able to see the changes because their physical change their ev mental evolution their their uh, maturity is growing at a rate that is incredible. You get to see the changes right in front of your eyes. Or when you have a puppy, you know, I have a seven-month-old puppy, the changes in him since October to now are extraordinary. I wouldn't be able to recognize my dog, Tail, even though I picked him up for the very first time in October and he could barely fit in my palm. Now, at seven months, he is... If he stands on his hind legs, he can reach my chest. He's big. Well, that's because in dog years, life, time goes faster. In children's years, in, in 10 years, you can see the change, you know. I just, my, 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 my niece just came in with her son, who is uh, eight months old, and he's just a baby. In a year's time, he's going to look so different. 
Okay, that's because they're going at a rate that's different from me. Now, if I apply Einstein's theory of relativity, my wife and I are feel like we're barely aging, and the reason why is because we're aging at the same time. You know, it's like the image of if you stand on the side of a road, all the cars are zooming by so fast. But if you're inside one of the cars, the car next to you is not doesn't look like they're going fast. They're going at the same speed. They're going like in slow motion, and everything around you looks like a blur. Well, sometimes relationships are exactly that. We begin to be, fall in the same speed. And sometimes we take someone for granted that way because, one, we forget that they are only here because they want to be here. And we start neglecting it because we, we think it becomes automatic. They're going to be here forever, but in reality, they're not. They're here for as long as they want to be here. Whoever is afraid of losing is the one who's going to be tempted to domesticate the other. But the way that allows you to keep this relationship evolving and growing is the willingness to release, to let go, to detach from those images and see the person who's in front of you. Kind of like the example with my uncle, my father. If my uncle detaches, whether he has or not, I haven't spoken to him about this subject in 10 years. If he detached himself from the image of who my dad should used to be, he will see the man that stands in front of him now. That's the same with our beloved. To let go of the image that we knew of them, to release, and we let go and see who they are. Once again, I can't give what I do not have. That requires me be willing to release the person I was and see the man that's standing and sitting right here. I'm not who I was at the age of 28. I'm not the same guy who was heartbroken at the age of 18. I'm the man who learned from that whole journey and I'm here sharing it. And those are the seven secrets. (laughs) And with all that being said, what does love mean to you? Love is the perfect balance between generosity and gratitude with that expression of respect. I can't give what I do not have, which means I am grateful for what I've received. And with that gratitude, I decide to share. At that point, it's energy. The energy that creates a bond between the people in my life and myself. And even it's a bond that I have within me. It's energy. It's the thing that allows us to come together to create the dream of us, a relationship, a family, a group of friends, a community, a society, humanity, all living beings. That's beautiful. (laughs) Wow, you covered all the bases throughout this entire conversation. All the questions that I had for you were already answered within every word that you said. It was beautiful. I am curious, though, as we evolve in a relationship, because we'll be evolving every single moment along with our partner, how do we consciously stay aligned with all seven of these secrets if one person may suddenly change, which is fine, but there might not be a moment of synergy anymore. And that happens. Yeah. My wife, my ex-girlfriend and my, and I had a different ex-girlfriend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, she and I went, we've been dating for about a year and a half. 
and we love each other, mind you. But uh, we went when my dad was writing the Mastery of Love back in the late '90s. He was doing a lot of uh, workshops based on romance of love. So she and I attended one of these in in uh, Los Angeles area, North Los Angeles. And at the first break of the workshop, she turned to me and she says, Miguel, we've got to talk. And I looked back and I says, we don't need to talk. We both know. And we both broke up with each other at that moment. Because at that moment, we knew the truth. We loved each other, but not like a boyfriend-girlfriend. We evolved in different ways. We went in different directions. And the only reason why we were still in relationship is that we were both afraid to bring it up. But after listening to my father and listening to their truth, we both were saw the truth and we both recognized it and we broke up without incident. You see, sometimes love evolves in different directions. And sometimes if we don't want to hear it, it's because sometimes we're not allowing that relationship to evolve. We're, we want that romantic. But relationships sometimes are successful when we both are wanting it. In fact, when couples come up to me and ask me for advice, I always ask the same question. Do you guys want to stay together? If they both say yes, the rest is easy. Because love is the motivator. If they both say no, then that's also easy because they're both telling each other the truth. It's when one says yes and the other one says no that gets complicated. And it's complicated because you're trying to force someone to do something they don't want to do, which is to change that no back into a yes. And you're trying to convince them to stay. And this is where everything gets convoluted. But relationships exist for as long as you say yes to it. Sometimes we grow together, sometimes we don't. It's okay to be alone. Because when we, when we lose the fear of saying goodbye, we lose the fear of saying hello. One of the biggest lies we can ever tell ourselves is that we'll never love again. That's hogwash because we're love, we are the source of love in our life. So, Yes, sometimes people will go in different directions. Sometimes you're going to fall out of love, and that's fine. That's natural. That's okay. The difference between couples who are dating in a committed relationship or married, and what I mean by marriage, and not necessarily just marriage with a, with a document or the I do's. It's just someone who has that level of, of relationship to one another that they see each other in their lives in that way, like it's that intense. When, like my wife answered my mama Gaia when we, when my mama Gaia asked about the culture clash, how did we survive it? And my wife said, because we loved each other. There at that moment, she's describing what motivates us to get through these hurdles because relationships will go up and down, left and right, because that's what life is. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. So when you're dating, when you first face your first hurdles, sometimes that motivator is not that strong and you break up. I, I'm, I'm reminded by my, what my friend Kirk says. 
is the juice worth the squeeze? Meaning, is the consequence worth the effort? Sometimes the answer is no. This relationship is not the eff- is not worth the effort. She or he may not be worth the effort. And that may sound cold, but it just simply refers to as my love for this person is not that strong. It's, it's, it's not what that is. I don't see myself in that way. And that's being honest. That's the truth. When you're in a committed relationship, you put that effort a bit more. You try to figure it out, figure it out until you really hit that moment where you either make or break the relationship. And usually you break it. But if you make it, that's when the next commit level of commitment comes in. That's when that, that stage of marriage really comes in. It's when the motor, the love is such a strong motivator that it'll we will learn how to argue with one another because we want that. We will we'll be able to separate an argument about finances and it has nothing to do with us as a couple. Or be able to argue, uh, argue about raising children and it has nothing to do with us. That takes some time. We ha- we have to learn how to argue like that, and you know sometimes when we want to win, we'll we'll stop arguing what we're arguing about and go to a go to argument that allows me the win. You know that's you know it's it's like we might be arguing about finances, but all of a sudden you bring up uh, a, something that happened in the past, and the reason why you bring it up is because you know that you can win that argument. But whatever happens is that we stop listening, and there it is. What motivates us to continue to listen? And that that requires the ability to evolve an art of arguing. For example, my my grandfather taught me, if you're going to bite your lip, if you put your foot in your mouth, button your lip. If you already put your foot in your mouth, button your lip even harder. Well, there's one time in my life where I'm about to say something very, very stupid, and I didn't have the discipline or the strength, or the will to stop myself. So what I used to do is I would walk away. And miss that you and I could be arguing, and all of a sudden I would just shut up and walk away. What I'm doing there is because I'm about to say something stupid. And what stupid is, is something that's going to hurt really bad. And as a couple, I would know where those wounds are. I know exactly where they're at, and I can press them. And I don't want to do that. That's what I mean. I'm about to say something stupid. I'm about to say something that's going to hurt. So instead of stopping myself, I just simply walk away because that's easier. My wife used to follow me and boom, there goes the explosion. As time progressed, I would say, honey, I'm walking away not because I'm about to say something stupid and I can't stop myself and I don't want to say it. So I'm walking away. She used to say, well, when you walk away, it sounds like you're not giving merit to what I'm saying, that you're not listening to me and you're disregarding me and I said honey that's not what I'm doing at all what I'm doing is simply I don't want to say something that's going to hurt you that's why I'm walking away she said fine okay let's make an agreement then you walk away and I won't follow you but promise me once you're diffused emotionally you'll you'll be able to come back and we'll talk about it again and I said deal so what happens is that we follow that she walks away sometimes I walk away but when we come back to the table we come back with our emotions diffused and lo and behold, we're listening to one another again and we can actually find a solution. You see, it took effort to be able to separate the arguments about apples to apples, oranges to oranges, bananas to bananas. And no, 
and not let any of the disagreements bleed into anything else. And to be honest with you, my wife and I rarely fight about us. The only arguments we have lately, you know, it's typical ones, finances and, and, and what to do. Um, actually, no, it's just finances right now. But it has nothing to do with us. We've learned to actually separate the arguments. It's not about our relationship. It's just in which direction we want to steer this ship in, the, in which direction. And because of it, we tend to find solutions. And when we find solutions, we find peace. But that required work. You know, it sounds easy right now, but during those years of processing it and finding what worked and what didn't work, it was hard. But now I can tell you this worked for us. So it's not our job to enlighten our beloved or to educate our beloved or control their reactions or whether or not they're going in whichever direction. It's not our fault. It's not, it's not our responsibility. That's what I mean to say. It's theirs. We only control to the tips of our fingers. We don't control their will. We don't control their perception. They do. And that's what respect is. And you made it work because you both had one common denominator, love. Yep. That's what motivated us. Yeah. And that will motivate a lot of people that might be listening and they might be frustrated with whoever they're with for whatever reason. But when they make these conscious shifts and they apply these lessons, these secrets, these apples, then it's amazing what will probably blossom. Or they might see that it's time to go. And that would be fine too. Exactly. And that's in a way also love. It is. It's a very successful relationship that which ends with that awareness and to say to each other thank you so much for that time together i wish you all the best in your next stage of your journey but thank you so much for the opportunity to have loved you that's so much better than resentment (laughs) i want to cry because that is pretty similar to actually my with my ex-fiance it's very similar to the very first ex-girlfriend you were talking about where it took a long time for me to recognize that I'm not a victim and to forgive him and vice versa. And then we both came together to realize like, because we love each other, we got to go. And that was a beautiful recognition of honestly, my own self and my own love. I'm also curious because you have written so many books. What did you love most about writing the seven secrets to healthy, happy relationships? Uh the outcome. The outcome was good. But it was what was so much fun is me and Heather Ash teaching together. You know, that was the book was the excuse. Uh, we enjoyed playing together. And that's the fun part. And that's what I love the most about this book. Working together for two years and seeing the result. Yeah, that's so cool. Are you ready for a rapid fire? All right, ready. All right. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. All right. What's your morning routine like? Helping get the kids ready to go to school. They are your priority. Yep. Do you prefer when you write? Do you prefer to write in the morning or during the day or at night? I like to write the way I surf waves. I love it. The way, when, the wave, when, the, when the waves come, you, you write it. And you're, you can't force the wave. You can't force a moment of inspiration. You, when, the, when, the inspiration, when the waves of inspiration come... 
be ready to surf them. So then how did that work when you and Heather Ash were riding? Did you both hit a wave at the same time or were you guys surfing on different oceans? Well, when we did work, when we're, when we're doing workshops and there's people in front of you, it's like jumping into the pool, ready or not, here yeah. you come. <laughs> but when you, when you, but when you write by yourself, it's, it's all about waves. But when yeah. you're giving a class, you, you, you have people who came and made the whole journey for those, for that block of time. This, this is how much per, time they gave you permission to teach them take it and that's the wave Mm. (laughs) wave. favorite city in the world my hometown of san diego california oh i love san diego what part uh chula vista or what people call chula juana chula juana i actually only know it as chula vista (laughs) chula vista uh-huh. But we call like we 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 the locals. Ah yes, the locals, of course. It's 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 a fun gesture because we're we're a lot of Mexicans there. Yes, <laughs> very much so. What brought you to Reno then? Uh, family. Uh, my brother moved up here with his uh, wife and kids, and we decided to move up here. And it's a good place for for our son with autism because the, a lot of the stuff we're, we're going through is uh, affordable and within one of those arm reach and very little traffic. My son hates traffic. So living in a place that has little traffic is good. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. And honestly, I'm sure he's just gifted you with so much. What is something, what is like an apple your son has given you? Don't let a diagnosis define who he is. Hell yeah. He's more than that. <laughs> yes. So I'm not going to make you choose one of your books as your favorite book because I'm sure they're all your babies and that would just be torture. <laughs> but do you have a favorite book of your father's? Oh, The Mastery of Love. Ah, of course. Of course. I should have seen that coming. Yeah, it's my favorite. In my point of view, he wrote the four agreements so he can write The Mastery of Love. Yeah. <laughs> book you're currently reading, if any. I just, I'm in between books. I finished reading uh, Homo Dieu. Uh, that's the sequel to Sapiens. I forgot, I'm forgetting the name of the author. That's why I was trying, that's why I paused because I try to remember his name. But it's, it's like, I, I read a lot of history books. Mm, cool. I, I I like I love history books. I don't I don't really read spiritual books. I rarely <laughs> read them. I, I enjoy biographies and history books. That's interesting. Do you think it's just because this knowledge is already within you, especially since you've been growing up with it your entire life? But it is within us all. No, I just love history. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just love reading about history. I just enjoy the story of us. Hmm. Oh, I, 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 no, the next book I'm going to read is called Patria. 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 It's it's it's, it's during the uh, eight the, the Mexican Civil War. Is Mexican history your favorite? I'll be honest with you, American history is my favorite. It's is it, there's a lot of philosophy to it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I like reading about uh, Hamilton, Jefferson, Madison. Uh, Adams and uh, down the line Lincoln like uh, uh, the, their stories are phenomenal you know it, it's you know, the, there's a lot of good things and bad things about a country that's you know same thing but you look at these these histories and you'll look at a vision that was quite stunning it's 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 it's, it's impressive what they had to go through and to, to do it you know it's they're not saints but they are definitely people who created something that i'm enjoying living in what do you think it is that attracts you most to the founding fathers well it's it's it's, it's just a point it's it's a point because the reason why is that you you have to look at the the whole route you know that you can say that it's all kings and queens 
and monarchies and all that kind of thing that happened and the feudalism that happened. So the 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 U.S. in the War of Independence was unique in that they created something that wasn't seen since the Republic uh, of Rome and Greece, but they did it in a totally unique way, you know, with democracy, what that looks like. And all of a sudden it, it was, uh, because up, up to that point, it was uh, a battle of corporations, you know, funny <laughs> that, that that's repeating itself again. But the, the big corporations, a, a, a lot of the invasions that we saw in throughout the world was the expansion of uh, corporate entities. You know, it wasn't like, for example, a lot of the British expansion was uh, the, the expansion of corporations and it wasn't a state invasion. You know, eventually, for example, uh, with India, the, India was colonized by a corporation. And then as time progressed, that corporation was taken over and the, the the British Empire took over. And then not too long after that, they they, they relinquished power. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting to look at the history and how it evolves and moves. So that's a small example, but in, in the, to look at the history of, of evolution of uh, how it's moved from a religious political center to a kingdom um, center to a self-governed center. Uh, those founding fathers were in a point where they witnessed the uh, the they remember at least the boss the the Salem witch trials and the imp- impact of a religious center and create a a, 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 a a society a constitution that separated church and state. The same time, they they changed the style of uh, the philosophy of governance, all by accident. To be honest with you, because they weren't look they only one in the in the in the Continental Congress. The first, they only one was looking for independence. The rest of them were just looking for uh, representation in Parliament, uh, taxation without representation. And then uh, by the decree of uh, of King Charles, I'm sorry, Charles uh, uh, George, King George, sorry, um, that to behead all of them and like everyone who was in that in the in the in that Continental Congress was was going to get hanged. Well, then at that point, it forced their hand to go for independence. It's 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 crazy how that is. And then was it i think it was benjamin franklin who said we were too busy trying to get independence that we didn't ask ourselves what kind of country we want we wanted so it's 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 a situation where they had the opportunity to think about that and that's what's impressive it's 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 unique it's a unique moment in time and you know it, it inspired the french revolution the the independent movements throughout latin america and, and the whole world and at the same time you know the capitalist movement and the, and the socialist movement were also taking heed in in europe so it's it's uh it's an interesting fascinating times what modern history looks like and to see its ramifications in order to understand this present you have to look yeah. at what history is oh absolutely and also that we still rely on what they wrote so long ago. Yeah, and but it's fragile, you know. Yeah. The truth exists whether you believe in it or not. Like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's another thing. I love to read physics and 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 read uh, that. I I'm a nerd. What can I say? <laughs> Just well rounded. Well. Yeah, well rounded. I love. I love. <laughs> I, I read a lot of physics physics books. I that's you know, that I enjoy. But 
The truth exists whether you believe in it or not. That's something Neil deGrasse Tyson said. Let me add something to that then. A belief only exists for as long as you believe it. So all this stuff is just an illusion. It's just set by agreement. That's what makes it an illusion. It's it's all created yep. by agreement. All these social agreements. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's all just a symbol. And every word we use is an empty symbol whose definition is subject to agreement. Every word changes. So the, will, the ability to listen, to continue an agreement. And mind you, an agreement is just the action of saying yes to something. So that's why I like reading history books and biographies and physics books. It's It reflects the creation that we live in. <laughs> Man-made creation, I should say. So then, given your knowledge, your lengthy knowledge of history and physics and love even and soulful Toltec wisdom, why do you think we're here? Why do you think we're here existing as humans on Mama Earth? Oh, there's so many versions of that answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just this. Just a moment, a moment, a chain reaction of, of, of an imbalance some time ago. After, after you know, the Big Bang is just a moment where a, a chain reaction occurred. But then before the Big Bang, you can say, as this is one of the, the theories out there, that the universe imploded into itself. Before the Big Bang, what existed? Another universe, a universe that expanded and contracted, expanded and contracted. What's the purpose? That's up to all of us individually to to come up with that answer. Nobody like as as a whole, you know. It's it's just it, it's not it's not gonna come with the mind that's gonna answer that. It's gonna be with a moment of silence, where we see each other, and just recognize each other. Individually, we'll we'll all answer it very differently. Seven point five billion at least. So how we answer that? What what's the purpose? to me, is to enjoy life. So the universe gave you billboards at no cost. So totally free. It's a free gift for you to share one message across the main highways in major cities all around the world. What would these billboards read? Enjoy everything in life. Amen to that. And then last question that I ask all of the Euromagic guests. How would you advise the Euro Magic listeners to create their own magic? By trusting yourselves. <laughs> yes. Enough said there. And unconditional love. Yeah, conditional love sees what it wants to see. Unconditional love is the willingness to see life as is. Mm. But it's still love. Conditional or unconditional is still love. One is corrupted, one is not. We're the source of love. Miguel, <laughs> oh my gosh, you are a master with this wisdom and what you share and what you hold true to yourself. I can tell that this is not only something you're very passionate about, but also what you've lived and you know will help us. And I am on a high from it because there was so much that you said, so many stories that you shared that I not only related to when it came to ex romantic relationships, but also friendships and myself. So I'm really honored and thankful for your time. You're welcome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate that. Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful time, Raquel. Oh, thank you. Where can everyone find you? At, at the family's website, which is my dad's, MiguelRuiz.com, or my personal one, which is MiguelRuizJr.com, Jr. We're on social media too, but our websites are our home base. Yes, and I'll, of course, link all that in the show notes. You're magical. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. Yo, me's. Say hi to me on threads. I just got a threads. My username is Raquel Mantra, R-A-Q-U-E-L-L-E Mantra. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and or leave a five-star rating and review and tell me what you thought of the show or any show that connected with you. Feel free to say hi in the Your Own Magic Facebook group or feel free to leave a comment or a topic idea for a future episode in the topic box on our site, yourownmagic.com and I have some free old meditations for you there if you want to enjoy those. I need to add more. Someone remind me. Someone remind me to do more meditations. Anyway, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope you have a magical rest of your week. Gemma.